Welcome to episode 10 of Made, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to review National Maker Fair in Washington, D.C. Let's continue with the conversation. young 
kids. I think it's like uh, seven, seventh grade and eighth grade, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one of the things that they're going to do is actually they're going to be designing. Um, it's fourth and fifth grade mm-hmm. girls, and they're go- also going to be uh, participating in their new in the design for their new girls Inc. facility. Right, which I thought that was very cool that they're going to be sort of working on an actual project for the for the company. I think that's great. I, you know, um, I think there's definitely, even though it's gotten better as far as women in architecture, and I'm sure engineering is similar, um, it's still not where you know we've gotten past. Well, somewhat we've gotten somewhat past you know the the issues where women weren't even acknowledged as <laughs> even though they were equal partners with a man the man would get their award, you know. We've gotten past that somewhat. You know, Julia Morgan's days, even though she still hasn't been given the gold medal, which she should have been given when Robert Venturi got it. Um, we've gotten past that somehow. You know, Sahajid was great. And it, sorry, it was, it was tough to see her pass away. But, you know, she was great for women in architecture. And I think we've gotten made strides there, but I think this is very needed. You know? I think it is. I think it's needed for an older group and y- and you'll hear later on well but uh, a couple of groups that we heard and that we that we met at maker fair right. and actual pipelines for stem mm-hmm. specifically for girls um and they start in middle school and high school i think it makes a bigger difference when you're in middle school and high school than when you're in fourth and fifth grade well absolutely um, but I, mean, I think it's never too early to sort of start guiding somebody in the right direction yeah, like and again, you know, you can you can if you if you can encourage one girl mm-hmm. to become an architect, that would be amazing, and I think that's great. But then the reality hits in, and it's like I'm envious of the little girls <laughs> that they get to be the client and the designer of their mm-hmm. facility when when you graduate out of you know after undergrad, mm-hmm. the likelihood of you being able to be the client and the designer of your own project is very low. Yeah, of, of course, but I mean... Let's so I mean the reality behind that is non-existent. But let, let's be honest, I mean, while they're going to be involved, and it's not like they're going to get to design the new facility. Oh, but they'll think they will. Right, and, you know, that that is an issue on itself when, you know, I think a lot of... I, I don't want to start bashing about people coming out of school right now from architecture, but a lot of people do come out very entitled, and I see what you can, you're can saying with this, is that, you know, it starts entitling people, but I think this is more of a... Pro- of a you know, I got into architecture by mistake. Right? I, I've, I've told you this story. I've never told this on air. But my parents wanted me to be a computer scientist. I was going to be. A, I was. I was going to high school to be a computer scientist. I was taking those classes, and I the Florida school system <laughs> messed up and put me in a drafting class by mistake. I sort of. I was there the first week. They were gonna, my parents were going to take me out of the class. I ended up liking it. I told them no. I wanted to make a stay. That's the reason why I'm an architect. Right? It was by chance, really. These girls are given the opportunity to see early on if they're going to like this field and to do a little bit of testing in being in this field. Now you get to sort of direct yourself one way or the other, and I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, for me, my uncle um, and my cousin are both architects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, shout out to Ivan Calderon in Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they're great architects. They're practicing architects and seeing them. My uncle would draw every single day, you know, he would, anything that he would get his hands on, he would draw. Mm-hmm. And to me, seeing that, growing up with that is what encouraged me to go into the creative side, into the designer side. I think seeing that every day does it. 
summer program? Only for the weekend? In fourth grade? More, it still does more good than I bad. think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Textile or something. Yeah, no, 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 no
I said we love <laughs> we love those little uh, building figurines that you used to be able to buy when you would go to like Empire State Building. You would get the little pewter, pewter buildings, buildings yeah. right? So those are all molded in metal, right? Mm -hmm. So people make you could make little buildings in plastic, and you could make a mold of it, and then you could mass produce it, right? So now you you're gonna make the model of that little building. You're gonna print one to sort of see that it's the right size dimension. And now you could print the mold, right? Because you can just make a negative of that model that you've already made. Oh shoot, that's you can right. Print because the you can mold. mold. Yeah. And then you you already have the mold made. All you have to do is then start pouring the plastic, plastic solidifying. So it, it sort of opens up another thing you can do with 3D printing. That's where I see. I mean, if you think of the things that he's holding there, you can make ice tray cubes out of different, right? There's no difference. This is how ice tray, ice tray, or, or ice cubes are made. This is this could you pour water on it and then you flex out the, the ice cube, right? This is so cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I think that's where this technology could go to. And it creates more industry. Right. So a product can actually mm -hmm. create more industry, more mm -hmm. companies that are doing molds right. for their own specific thing. Yeah, yeah and we've seen... That's what, in, that's what we need in America. Right. So we, and we've seen other products that need molds for them. So if this is possible, then you can start making your own molds. You know, If you want to be a chocolatier, you can make chocolate molds that you pour in it and you flex out the chocolate. That's what this thing could be. Artisanal soaps. The artisanal mayonnaise, the artisanal not store. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's what excited me about this product, about this particular article. Very cool. So yeah, very cool. So let's stop going around in circles and let's get to our main topic, which is going to be our review of national, the second annual National Maker Fair. Yes, also known as the greatest show and tell on earth. Is that really what it's known? <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's how they they quote. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> they coined it. Out. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right, let's get to our main story. All right, well, let's talk about our main topic now, which is going to be our review of National Maker Fair. Um, now we've been to a couple. You and I, Claudia, have been to a couple of maker fairs. We've been to one that was happening here near us in Greenbelt, and we've also been to the one that's called World Maker Fair, which happens in New York, right? Yes. Um, so I think when we talk about this maker, which is only the second year, right? It's the second annual maker, the National Maker Fair. Let's, uh, I guess, talk a little bit about how coming in, we've come, what our expectations were coming in, thinking that we've been to a make a mini maker fair and we've been to sort of like stage the World Maker Fair. Yes, so the Mini Maker Fair was really um, small actually, it was it was at a nice small community just right outside D.C. and it was very like small town feel, right. which I really liked that uh, atmosphere because it really looked at community level um, makers, right, and mm -hmm. what they do and they had like small maker spaces and people would come in and just show their work, they, they would just set up a table and show what they make. Yeah, and I mean, I think you also, <laughs> sorry, I think you also saw um, sort of local low-tech makers as well as in this kind of setting, you see more of the high-tech makers, you know? Yeah, do-it-yourselfers. Right. Right, and that was the big difference between World Maker Fair as well, as well, because you saw a whole area of DIYers, mm -hmm. that there were a bunch of them, they were just, you know, like, 
t-shirt makers, um, jewelry makers, jewelry makers, anything like wood, you know, like furniture. I mean, mm-hmm. anything with metal. It was, which was really good too, because mm-hmm. it's product based. Um, something that you don't necessarily, you didn't necessarily see in this na- national. Yeah, I think national made it for here was sort of more geared towards the, the high tech stuff. There were some, and I think the colleges were more of the sort of locally done products, but there wasn't, you know, I remember the first mini maker fair we went to, there was a, uh, a woman with a loom, <laughs> right, and she was sort of taking, and I think it's called a loom, but she was sort of taking mm-hmm. the raw cotton and making the yarn out of it, you know, you mm-hmm. don't see that at this, at, you didn't see that at World Maker Fair in New York, and you didn't see that at this maker fair mm-hmm. here, National Maker Fair. And let's talk about a little bit about the venue as well, where it took mm-hmm. place, because you mentioned the universities, yeah. um, actually there's plenty of universities in D.C. that this could have taken place in, and it was great that it was at uh, University of the District of Columbia, which is um, the only public university in the district, and it specifically serves um, D.C., um, the D.C. locals. Right. Um, also, definitely, they you know, there's a lot of people that, that come from nationally also to attend. They have a great uh, law program, uh, but they have recently, in the, in the last five years, or less than that even, They've expanded and they have um, an engineering program that's mm-hmm. really uh, well put together now. Um, also, yeah, an architecture, an architecture program, program yeah. which we saw. So that was really cool. Yeah, and I, I always forget that they have an architecture program. Yeah. It's sort of that forgotten one. When you think of the ones here, you have Catholic University, which has an architecture program, and uh, Virginia Tech, I guess, has a sort of architecture locally as well. Mm-hmm. And one one last thing about the the venue itself. So the 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 campus is centrally located and is near metro. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about the campus is that it's a brutalist architecture uh, campus. Yeah, and you know I love the brutalist architecture. Exactly. I worked on the um, master plan of mm-hmm. the of the campus actually. As I was walking around in the new building in their new student center, all of the um, evacuation maps had my my plan. Yeah, they had renderings. That they had, had renderings done. that yeah. I had done. So yeah. it's really cool being able to walk around every single one of them and they're like, yep, I drew that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I drew that one. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, but it it serves as a great canvas, like a white like a washout canvas for like an active event like this. Yeah, well, I mean, and they have that sort of nice central area, like you said, very metro accessible. It was it was, it was a great location to host it. I think any of the other universities, when whenever anybody goes to Georgetown, they're like, oh, it looks like Hogwarts or whatever. You know, like the buildings sort of take uh, a bigger role in the university. This is more of a background building and great brutalist architecture. Well, great. Good realist architecture. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, so, but, so coming into this guy, knowing it's it was his second year, I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought it was going to be small. I thought it'll be. I thought it was going to be closer to sort of one of the mini maker fairs than it was going to be to, you know, New York maker fair. Um, yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised to see how big it was. Yeah. So the background on this particular one is the second national, technically. Right. So last year there was a mini maker fair in DC. So DC is a large metropolitan area, mm-hmm. um, the capital of the nation. Uh, they had their own ma- mini maker fair. Um, but President Obama really looked at okay, well makers and technology, he's been ha- hosting um, science fairs at the White House for a long time now. He's the only like if I'm not mistaken, he's the only president who's been hosting science fairs at the ho- at the White House. So he decided, well, let's make this a national one. So he did that last year, aside from the Mini Maker Fair. 
So last year was one of them. I think it was at the White House. Mm -hmm. And this year, uh, Maker Fair, the organization, decided to make it to yeah, make that mini event. make it a yeah. bigger event. I mean, to the point where it gets equal billing on their website next to the, the two other big ones in the United States, the Bay Area Maker Fair and the New York. Yeah, it was advert it was well advertised. It was yeah. advertised in the Washington Post and everywhere mm -hmm. else. And um, also important to think is that uh, government agencies are also all over D.C. So yeah. National Science Foundation. I actually thought that there would be more. Um, NASA would be there, but they were. They had some they good had speakers. Yeah, they, they, they had, had speakers, which is yeah. exactly what you know you want to see. But I guess that's the, that's the thing. They they strike somewhat of a good balance between DIY, between actual nonprofits that are doing this work, makers, makers, mm -hmm. um, and you know the larger yeah, and Microsoft. And yeah, Microsoft were there. They also drew people from all over the country, which I thought was great. We we met people from San Francisco that have been to the Bay Area Maker Fair. We met a bunch of people from my and Ray's home state of Florida. You know, there were a lot of people from Florida actually. Yeah, Florida made a really good showing. I was very happy with yeah. with the people that represented Florida. Also, New Hampshire, people from Massachusetts, uh, high schools were there from mm -hmm. different states. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was th the the size of it was a pleasant surprise for me. I was expecting much smaller than it was, and and it, it really sort of um, took me back a little bit. And I was I was I was proud to <laughs> to to see how big it was. Um, it's also the first maker fair that we've attended as media, you know, with the media badges sort of covering it, if you will. Yeah, which um, is nice. Yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, you get to talk to people in sort of a different manner, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get to promote people, which is the one of the, the the best parts, I think, and it was a two two day event, which mm -hmm. I think it was great. Uh, a parent with kids could have easily spent a whole day there yeah, and easily. still missed some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, having two days even better. Mm -hmm. Like I think definitely two days and maybe a little bit more DIY mm -hmm. would have been even better. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Had tons do. of things to do, yeah, yeah. and little kids are hard too. Yeah. Corral and move well around. And there were a lot of little <laughs> kids. There were a lot of there was a lot of crying as you went, which is great. You know, you you want to see kids getting involved mm -hmm. in this stuff from from the beginning. Cool. All right. So as part of the review, then let's get into um, what was your favorite activity or your favorite thing? Let's just say in general, your favorite thing. Yeah. So for me, like favorite. my highlight type of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just go to your top highlight. What was your yeah. Top highlight? So my first one, I gotta say, it's Nick Cannon. Yeah, Nick Cannon was fun. That was my like. Mm -hmm. And like learning about him beyond what I knew about him was an eye opening for me. And then seeing the possibilities, mm -hmm. not only that he has, and also like the diversity that he exemplified just by him being there as one of the main speakers. Yeah. And then seeing that translated throughout the two days based on everybody that was there present, mm -hmm. there was so much diversity in Maker Faire. Um, but it wasn't acknowledged. And to me, that was one of the hard things, to see how much diversity was there, to, to see how many people of different colors, ages. It was great. Um, but people are very colorblind, so they don't necessarily see that. And that's not necessarily a good thing, uh, to be colorblind, especially you know the after what happened in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Because while we can be technology and people in tech tend to be very colorblind, because you should be. We can't also be that blind to the type of stuff that happens mm -hmm. out there. And Nick Cannon is a great example of someone who is so positive in the stuff in the, in the type of work that he's done 
throughout his career. So he. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about what, so what why he doing. was there because you know people, and I think he acknowledges this at some point in his speech that people think of him as like you know dancing with this. No, it's not dancing with the stars. He hosts uh, America's, America's Got, yeah. Got Talent. He was married to Mariah Carey. But wh- why was he here? Because most people don't know who thinks Nick Cannon should be here. Yeah, well, Nickelodeon, right? He right. had a huge, a long-standing relationship with Nickelodeon, um, which he's seen Nickelodeon start from the beginning, from its infancy to what they have become now. Um, and he's been a constant with them, right. both in creativity and like in technology with them. You know, from like just general TV all the way up to their apps and what type of uh, reach they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's been working. He is the creative, um, the chief creative officer for Radio Shack. Right, so yeah. yeah, and that was big at Maker Fair, as you said, National Maker Fair. Is Radio Shack, what was it, Radio Shack is back? Radio Shack, hashtag Radio Shack is back, right. which is great. I mean, and he spoke about his um, new, um, it's not new, like he's actually had this company for a very long time. It's called Incredible, mm-hmm. with an N. And his idea behind that is basically like being like the Apple right. of his generation, of his, of his brand. And being able to do just not film and entertainment, but also technology and creation. So he's been doing, he has an app. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, but he also has a um, set of um, headphones. headphones. Yeah. yeah, and they're very well priced. Mm-hmm. So affordability and for the, for the masses and a good product. So th- I think that's one of the big things that he's doing. So yeah, so overall... And the fact that for, for me, one of the things when we got the chance to talk to him that I told him was that Radio Shack has always been a catalyst of communities, mm-hmm. specifically low-income communities. Most people think, okay, yeah, we want to have a Best Buy, we want to have a Walmart, and then that's going to um, uh, propagate development and is going to propagate economic growth in any community, right? But they don't think of the small tech companies such as Radio Shack that actually brings not just workers, but it also it spreads like people who want to do tech, like radios, mm-hmm. or you know you want to get your headphones, you want to go you get your headphones again, and then you want to do like soldering, well, I mean, and you want to do radio like shack so many is things. really sort of I, I think for me growing up was the place if you're a maker if you wanted to make something yourself that's the place you went to buy stuff. You know, it, it was a real shame when so many of them had to close, and it, it, you sort of saw the decline of Radio Shack in which like you couldn't. You would go there, and they had some certain things in stock, but they, didn't, they never had the thing you wanted or you needed. And you know, they started to sort of shift towards cell phone things, and mm-hmm. like it, it changed. And it's good to see him take an active role in sort of trying maybe steer it back more towards the maker movement. And them being being this, they were a big presence at National Maker Fair. Yeah, it's when something broke yeah. in your radio, you would go over there and try to yeah. find it, right? When something broke in your TV, even if broke yeah, in whatever, TV, you whatever, you'd go and fix it. And yeah. yeah, it's the place you go find it. Right. Where else would you find it? Best Buy? No. No, no and a Best Buy is like you know, sort of Best Buy, the the now long gone. Uh, what was the name of it? The Circuit City. Mm. Like those stores to me are the stores that come and go, right? Because they just sell electronics. Radio Shack was never to me a place that sold electronics. It was a place that sold the parts for the electronics. Yeah. They would have the battery that if you need a strange battery for a camera, an old camera, you would go get it there. Yep. So, so yeah, so he was my highlight. The other highlights of uh, the, the the event were, um, I have to say, the the groups, the nonprofit organizations. Uh, there was, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, well, actually, let, let's, let's hear about you. Okay, so yeah, I think my... I think the thing I always enjoy when I go to the Maker Fair is just sort of walking around the different booths that people bring. You know, because you can find people that go from, you know, somebody that makes one specific thing. They were, they were just making their... Uh, um, the <laughs> There was a, uh, a fab... tech shop, right? Like a, a maker space that was showing some of the pro the projects that the different members have made all the way to like, you know, a new kind of filaments that people are making. And I just enjoy walking around there, seeing the different things, seeing the, the things in action as, as we see. So I think that was my my favorite part of this one, because I was expecting that to be a very small presence. I was expecting it to be like sort of very local, not a lot of products from other cities and, and national products, and, and I was surprised to see so many national products. So I think that's what surprised me. That's what I enjoyed a lot out of the out of the fair. I, I, I love to just walk around. I, I go in circles like four times, you know, and just try and try and do everything and try and get a chance to talk to the person doing it. Because mm -hmm. you know, when you get to the, the you get to it, there might be like four people talking to the guy or four people looking at what this particular booth is doing. So you got to circle around, <laughs> and you eventually get it to where it's empty and you can talk to the people themselves. So, mm -hmm. so I think that's what that was my highlight. I also enjoyed the cannon, but I, I enjoyed the the talking to the different makers and the different companies. And they're all in different stages, right? Which yeah. is the best part of it. Like some of them are are in project and, and even in prototype mode exactly. and then some of them are full on product. They're already out for market. Already. Yeah, we saw a bunch of products that I think we're gonna talk about as as they're getting as they get closer to coming out. I know there's a couple of Kickstarters that are gonna start soon. Um, so we're sort of ahead of the curve in that a little bit. We got to see and we got to play around with a couple of products that are gonna be coming on the market later we can talk about them. Um, I think Bose had one that is going to be interesting. I think that comes out in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, and they were yeah. testing. That was right. the other thing. Like it, the fairs actually um, have, uh, which is exactly what you're saying. You know, the people go around, and you know, you're also a test person. You're right. you're basically the public. They're testing yeah. it with the public. So. But I think that's a big part of it is that you get to see stuff that it's before it's out in the market. You know, they're sort of seeing what people's reactions are going to be. So mm -hmm. I think that's great. Yeah, so which. Ray was definitely there with us, and I'm sure he's going to go to the next one with us, and it'll well be great tweets. seeing him and asking <laughs> Ray was questions. Seeing the, Ray was seeing the Facebook things coming in the tweets, and he was like, oh, I wish I was there. He's like, is but this your first time soldering? <laughs> Come on, Claudia. <laughs> yeah, but let, let's talk about it. Let's All get right. into a little bit of specific, some of the things that we did that we enjoyed. When you go, oh. when you go with one first, what was, what was the specific thing you saw that you enjoyed at, at National Maker Fair? Uh, all right, let's see. What did I... So, okay, there were two... There was one local mm -hmm. uh, organization that will just big shout out it's makersgeneration.net mm -hmm. and it's um, Mike and um, what he does is he does workshops yep. for um, local for local com for the local community basically mm -hmm. he makes his workshops and teaches people how to create and build robots and specifically 3d printing so he has like a two-day workshop yeah. uh, and it's right where I grew up like mm -hmm. in Colton Maryland Silver Spring yeah, so it's Silver really Spring, cool right? yeah so I was really happy about that he's um, yeah and he's you know like He's he's an immigrant, which mm -hmm. is great. So like his community is like right there. Is I really liked it. I really appreciated the fact that he was there representing mm -hmm. uh, the community I was I grew up in. Yeah, um, the plug his uh, his workshop that's coming up. The one with the because it was interesting. It's it's it was a a workshop where not only is he teaching you how to use the the 3D printer, you're gonna put together a 3D printer while you're there. You're gonna print something. He's gonna show you how the whole printing thing works, and then you get to keep that 3D printer you made. Yep. 
and he teaches you like the the software which is all like online available and everything else yeah and the other thing is is that it's for everyone yeah. so he focuses on youth as he wants he focuses on the elderly mm-hmm. he focuses on like women so it's just uh, for anybody that wants wants to go yeah uh, I think he was very cool and, and we got a little bit of video with him so that'll well we'll talk at the end of it uh, mm-hmm. we, we shot some video that we'll probably put a video out in the next day or so mm-hmm. so and that was uh, maker generation makers makers, makers. generation dot net yeah so people look that up that's, that was a cool one yeah that was a good one the next one was uh, tech savvy girls mm-hmm. um, and, and they're from our home state well my home state of Florida home, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would call it my home state if there was, like, these girls were amazing. They I were mean, they were, it was great. It was, like, probably five of them sitting in the table, and they did the whole presentation, the mm-hmm. whole pitch to to us. And it was as professional as anybody mm-hmm. could be. I mean, basically, like, college-level, you know, presentation. Mm-hmm. And well, and it's great to see girls like this that you could tell they had the passion for this. Yeah. yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, called uh, Collegiate Pathways, Inc. is the organization that uh, this is one of the programs that they have. It's basically a pipeline for STEM and technology for uh, girls that are um, uh, in middle in, in middle and high school. Mm-hmm. And um, it's specifically for uh, first generations, minorities, uh, POCs, people of color. It's mm-hmm. just uh, it's obviously girls. Yeah. Um, and it's like I mentioned, it's a pipeline, and it's a proven pipeline. They've been doing this since 2012. Yeah. So it, they connect them to mentors. To they have a, uh, a camp. They do coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna be doing some 3D printing and um, doing with dealing with uh, fashion, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, they had a game right that they were showing at the that yeah, they did the exactly. Yeah. And um, and the best thing is is that is they continue going through the whole process. So even after high school, they have alumni that, you know, like once they graduate, they go to college and they get, they earn scholarships and they go in mm-hmm. to do science, they come back and mentor the girls from mm-hmm. before. So right now they're probably in the second alumni stage, but mm-hmm. this is really cool because this is proven work. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it was amazing because we need to see that more. Um, yeah, so big shout out to Tech Savvy Girls. And uh, collegiatepathways.org is the organization that you guys want to check it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's cool. And we may do because because uh, they're in Orlando, Florida. Um, we are going to be going to Florida right around the time they might have an event. So we may try and sort of go to the event, maybe get some some uh, video or some audio of what they're doing, and maybe put it up on the site or on the, on the Facebook page somehow, and and show what they're doing. Yeah, so Fo- uh, follow Lainey Powell on mm-hmm. Twitter. She's like amazing. She's mm-hmm. a leader, and yeah. Yeah, it was it was so cool, and uh, all the all the girls. It was funny because they had a range that were like from ten years old all the way to like high school age. Yeah. they were all there. Yeah. And they were all helping each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. cool. All right, cool, cool. Um, so here, let me see one of the ones that I enjoyed. Uh, I think well, just like there were a lot of makers, there were a lot of organizations that were there, and uh, and one of the organizations I saw that I I enjoyed. I talked a little bit to the guy was uh, NIST. I don't know if people are familiar with NIST. NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Right, so they were cool because they were there mostly showing. They're trying to come up. They so NIST, what they do is they come up with the standards of measurement, right? And they had these cards that they gave up. I'm holding in here, where it's superheroes that are based on the different standards of measurements. So you have Meter Man, you have Professor Second, you have Mr. Kilogram, and stuff like that. It's fun because it's for kids, you know. But the the pro the work that they do is just very cool. 
they were there sort of showing, um, they were trying to right now come up with a standard way of testing 3D printed material. Right now, right now, the only way to sort of test the 3D printed material is you have to sort of destroy it, or you have to break it to sort of test its strength. So they're trying to come up with a standard way of testing and knowing how strong something's going to be without having to destroy it every time. And you go through so many parts because you have to test it that way. So it was very interesting the stuff that they had. They had a 3D printer going, sort of showing, and, and a video showing the different ways that they test this thing. So you mentioned something about a clock. They uh, they also yeah. run the, the atomic, atomic clock. clock. Yeah, which is yeah, a tiny cool. clock. Yeah, it's a pretty big clock. It's yeah. a very <laughs> cool thing, you know. But yeah, so that that's this organization that you wouldn't really know unless somebody starts telling you the stuff they do, you know. And they're actually in the area as well, right? They're sort of on the way to Rock they're in the mm -hmm. Rockville area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that that was one that I it was very interesting. A young a young guy that that sort of told us all about it, and you know, these engineers are making cool work. Yeah. So yeah, I, I might take a picture of the cards and put them up on the on the So yeah, that was one of my that was one of my favorite ones. What else you got? Who who I else did you have? Uh, Nova Labs. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of these um uh, fab labs, right? Yeah. Uh, fabrication labs, and this is specifically Northern Virginia mm -hmm. uh, lab, and they are pretty big. It was cool. They were doing a um a droid. They were doing yeah. A they had a BB-8, a, a, BB a life size BB-8 that was pro in progress. It in progress, yeah. yeah. And it was really cool because it's like you know we asked questions of like when are you gonna finish this one, mm -hmm. and they were like well. We are working on this one, but then we started working on that other robot, and then all that got our that got our attention. So we're gonna come back to this one. Mm -hmm. um, and they do tons of events. I mean, they have a youth STEM program. They do 3D printing. They go into drones. Mm -hmm. They have classes. Um, the Internet of Things and uh, just innovations. And they have meetups that they do. Yeah. And they invited us to their meetup so that we can go, and then they'll have a mini fair as well in mm -hmm. Northern Virginia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're hoping so to go to some of their events. Well, I mean, along those same lines, another uh, sort of maker space that we met while we were there is called Tech Shop, and they're they're out of Arlington, and they're a sort of a tech shop where you can um, you can rent space to sort of make different things. They had a and they had a couple of things that they've made there. They had a 360 camera that I wasn't quite sure what I was getting myself <laughs> into, and they they just started spinning this thing around me, and then I I I, I have the video for it. I'm sure it looked very silly on it. <laughs> I was afraid you were gonna fall. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, so that's busy. a cool one. They also do a bunch of events, right? Yes. You, you and you may go to an event of theirs tomorrow. Yeah. So what they do is they have a they provide access to tools and software in this space, and actually one of their um uh you could say leasees or one of the the people that go in and leave space with them and do work there uh that we met there is Martha mm -hmm. Martha Lee, and she was also presenting there, and um, she's an architect. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the really cool things that she told me was that, you know, I've been missing as an architect from, from studio. From when you go to school, you're spending so much time in studio, but you're spending it with other people who are also creating and doing their projects, right? So once you start working, while you're with other architects, you're all working on a project for a client. So it's a different aspect of it, because not all of you guys, while all of you may be working in different projects, it's always for a for somebody else. It's right. not your own project, mm -hmm. right? So she felt like this tech shop was like studio back. No. And she missed it so mm -hmm. much. And she was like, I like, I felt like I needed to go back to it. So it was really cool. Well, and it's a personal project, right? I think one of the things that not a lot of architects do is their, their own personal projects. You're always working for a client. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so 
um, Martha, um, Martha Lee, so she she was presenting a project uh, that explores design and fabrication technologies, and she basically looked at um, an inventive like uh, way to create vernacular designs for um, buildings, mm -hmm. uh, for either specifically interiors. So these are materials that can be used um, uh, in the furniture or like wall coverings and stuff like that. Uh, but specifically inspired by um, ancient Ethiopian architecture, art, and yeah. the culture of it. Mm -hmm. So you first have to do the research and to be really culturally respectful. Mm -hmm. And um, and then to be able to apply that uh, into your design and mm -hmm. then fabricate it. Mm -hmm. So um, so she basically does that. So she's, uh, she's using a whole multidisciplinary process of incorporating architectural design, um, and then also computational design and digital fabrication. And as a woman, mm -hmm. doing all of that, yeah. uh, using CNC machines. Yeah, and, and really she gets dirty with it. She was uh, there were pictures of her like covered in dust. Because, you know, that's what that's what the CNC machine does. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was her stuff was really cool. Yeah. So yeah. we'll definitely share. Uh, we we did a video of her yeah, as well, we and we'll show yeah. we'll show her work. I mean, she's yeah. been amazing too. Yeah. No, she was. And, and did she go to uh, one of the schools in the area? Yeah, Catholic University. Catholic University, University I guess yeah. what I thought, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so her stuff was amazing. People should definitely check that out. Um, see, another vendor that I liked, um, and it's because, again, they're doing something slightly different with 3D printing. They were called Multi-3D, and they were actually 3D printed electronics, so they're using a filament that has uh, that's conductive. So they were able to sort of 3D print a circuit board, if you will, and then conduct energy to LEDs and stuff. We didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time in their in their booth, but I got to see all the stuff they were doing, and it was pretty cool. It was it was different, you know. It's a, everybody's doing different three D filaments. That was an or different filaments for three D printers. That was an interesting uh, sort of take on it. Yeah, and that's yeah. coming up too, right? We're gonna be doing more on those mm -hmm. uh, product features and different types. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. That we did. There was an etch a sketch. The etch a sketch. Do you want to talk about the etch a sketch? Yeah. Oh, I wish Ray was here. I, yeah, and I. I I, I, it'll show up in the video because I took some photos of it. But there was a guy that it wasn't an actual etch a sketch. It was a screen that looked like an etch a sketch that was connected to a CNC machine. So you could sit there and turn the knob like you would a regular etch a sketch. You're looking at the little sort of etch a sketch screen with the moving in the s in that magnetic sand or whatever. For kids, for specifically for, yeah, for, for kids. kids. And then you see the CNC machine sort of following <laughs> the motion mm -hmm. and doing the drawings, and that was very cool. So it basically tra transferred the etch a sketch to a G code. Right. Which then went and into and it's sort of taking the old technology. You know, wh when we were doing the the show on toys that teach making, you know, one of the things we mentioned about the etch a sketch when when it was brought up was that you know it sort of teaches you to start thinking on sort of the x and the y axis, you know, and how you move around those x and y axis, and to see the motions converted in the computer in the G code, where you could see the lines of code appear as he moves, and then to see it happening in the <laughs> in the CNC machine, it was very cool. It yeah. was different it's a way of showing kids how they can use some of this stuff mm -hmm. you know so that, that was a fun one yeah, can come up to yeah. yeah we'll show pictures of that for sure yeah, absolutely and then another one and i'm just mentioning mentioning this one because i love the name like a lot of these products are cool we're going to feature them later on mm -hmm. but it's shopbottools.com mm -hmm. and I, I love the name because it's exactly that it's like tools that you would imagine that are in a shop mm -hmm. but they're like small little robots and then you can like move them around yeah. um, and they're very accessible like for me to be able to use that easily do it yeah it was probably and we, we have I believe we have video, video of that already on the Facebook page because I was 
I was sending that out live. Yeah, we were doing it live. We did a couple of live uh, Facebook live events. I guess that's what they call them. Yeah. That's what they call them. But that was live one of them. Yeah, yeah. Where you were, you were, he, the guy was showing you how it works. Yeah. And you were using it, so that was cool. So shout, that was yeah. shot bot. Shot bot. That was cool. Um, I think one of the other projects I'm going to mention, mention real quick that we saw there, um, that we're going to talk more about, and we did a little bit of a video with him, so he'll show up in the video. But we'll we're gonna talk about their product. Well, maybe next week we'll talk about because the product that's already out, and that was uh, Piper, right? And if you want to sort of get a head start and you want to go look at their product, it's called PlayPiper.com. Um, they're doing some very cool stuff with getting kids into computers and making computers and and sort of even starting to code in computers. So I don't want to talk too much about what they use as the platform and how it all works. But uh, start checking it out. We'll talk about it next week. As I think next week will be the product of the week, and uh, and so start checking it out, and we'll see some somewhere about play uh, playpiper.com. Yeah, the preview about this yeah. one though is that no matter what time we were we of the day we were in, there were always a bunch of kids oh, yeah. right in front of these mm. little boxes, like almost fighting with each mm. other to get on it. So when it was like candy. It was right. like and and they were learning how to. You think it was like an it was like an Xbox and they were playing a video game already, but that's not what was happening. Yep. And we'll get into it. We'll get if into it. If your kids are later. young, yeah. this is something you definitely want to look at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we we have no like no affiliation, no affiliations yeah, or no, anything. No. We're just saying like what we saw and what we liked. Yeah, and they they were just very cool guys. The, the founder and the chief development officer were both there, and they were just very cool guys that really care about this stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it was good. What you got another one? Um, I think that's it. I mean, I it, you know I'm I'm an alumni of University of Maryland, mm-hmm. Terps, and they have um, Terrapin Works, and I thought that was pretty cool, like just students there, they basically submitted a grant to the university asking, uh, a proposal, asking for money to be able to create a uh, fab space within the university, so that, um, this was obviously in the engineering department, uh, but then they were able to get, I, I cannot remember how much money, but they did get uh, funding mm-hmm. from the university, and what's really cool about it is that, um, they are using, they're making this fab space, this fabrication space, available for the entire university. So all of the other uh, schools can go and and do the and, and use the space. Um, specifically, he was saying like the um, performing arts center, they'll yep. do props, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I went to the arts and humanities college of arts and humanities, but I did my study abroad with engineering, with engineering school in Paris. Which exactly that? I mean, that was back in. I'm gonna date myself, but it was a very <laughs> long time ago. And seeing that they're still doing that, yeah. I mean, that is the power of a state school. So yeah, go <laughs> turf. Power of a state school. I love it. Uh, well, well, a couple of more quick mentions that because we're gonna get into their stuff more as it uh, as it launches. Because their products that haven't launched yet is a uh, uh, make crate, which is gonna be coming up later. Um, uh, not to say too much about it, but it, you know, it's basically one of those. Um, everybody's seen the subscription products that they, s- they send you something once a month. So this is Maker Gear for kids. It's going to be great. Maker, because that's Make Crate. And then the other one was uh, the Ability 3D. And they're printing, they're 3D printing with metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an actual metal printer, you know. And, and not not sort of like we, we featured a couple of weeks back. We did, a, I think it was a show that just, just Ray and I, you weren't around for. Um, we talked about a, com- a a robots that are 3D printing with metal, but those was those, those are more sort of soldering. They're, they're sort of they build up by by almost like tick welding. This is an actual printer using a 3D printer powder or a, a metal powder, and 
thought out, which yeah. which is what we really like. And we thought. Well, and the thing I like about Kickstarter pro- projects is that they don't just sort of launch right away and like, okay, well, we're gonna eventually develop. They have it developed. They've developed it, and they're they really know what they're doing before they sort of send it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. So and it's a team. So. Yeah. Um, I think another quick mention before we move on. Oh wait, I forgot about this guy here. Do you want to talk about this? Uh, oh yeah. So uh, another university that was there was Catholic University, but the biggest thing is David Preet dot com. I think is it David. Yeah, David Ipreet, I think it is. Um, dot com. It's basically a project for a three printed American flag, and what was really cool is that it's uh, he became a naturalized citizen. Mm-hmm. And it made him realize how many people were there, and um, you know, and I went through the same process. You going go through the same process, and you really feel very patriotic at that at mm-hmm. that particular point. And with all of what's going on in, in in the world right now, in our nation right now, he wanted to unify, create this u- this unity flag, and he figured, well, let's make this star with uh, 3D printed faces. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jose, you know, you were yeah. Well, I mean, like the whole flag is going to be made of it's going to be faces that are there. So the whole flag is going to be 3D printed and they were scanning people's faces which were cool. Yeah. The device that they were using was cool to scan people's faces. And you can buy if you want your 3D scanned face if at a larger scale mm-hmm. or you know you give the permission for them to use it obviously and that was the whole thing and they would scan it for you. Yeah. yeah that was, was cool. pretty it was pretty accurate. Your hair mm-hmm. was really <laughs> Yeah. It was working. Yeah, the very very cool scanner. Yeah. I think uh, finally because we we've been talking for a while about this and we still have to give our final review of it. The thing that was there, we've had a, uh, I don't want to call it a love-hate relationship with this, but um, America's Greatest Makers was there, and if people remember back, we've talked about him a couple of times, the TV show for TBS, um, TBS, yeah, it's TBS, yeah, TBS, um, America's Greatest Makers, their first season sort of wrapped up a couple of weeks ago, and we we have been a little bit critical of it, a little bit, we've been critical of it, um, I think you liked it, generally speaking. Um, but they were there because they're casting for season two. Um, so we've applied for it. But the great thing about it is that we got to talk to uh, at least it was their um, head of casting. Yeah, their local head yeah. of casting. And we sort of got to tell them a little bit of the issues. Her. her. Yeah, we got to tell her a little bit of the issues we had with with some of the things they were showing on the show that they or what they weren't showing, which is the actual making part of it. And it seems like they're addressing some of those things. They've probably heard that feedback from a couple of people. Yeah, they're gonna be doing two um, two new features are gonna mm-hmm. be and yeah, I guess we sh- we can share them. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll show them, yeah. And we had media. Yeah, it's gonna f- it's gonna focus on graphic, right. on graphics and also photography, especially with drones. Right. So. Yeah, and they. So, so different technologies, basically technologies right. for graphics and for photography. Right. So it's not just the current module anymore. It's uh, they're gonna sort of expand a little bit. They're also gonna try and show more of the actual making part of it. Mm-hmm. Which I, th- I thought that was the biggest thing that was lacking this first season. So yeah, it was kind of hard to show face because that was yeah. just like we gave them a pretty bad review, and we of did. course I was just like, it makes it really hard to. <laughs> yeah, they also didn't know. I mean, they they haven't listened to the show, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was like a pay attention to see what season two will be like. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what season two will be like, and you know, we Ray and I always have ideas about different projects and stuff, so maybe we end up even being on the show, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but but it was interesting, yeah? I think so it'll be great. Alright, so we've covered a bunch of things we liked, uh, we've been mostly positive about it, is there anything you didn't appreciate about the show? About the Maker Fair? About the Maker Fair, mm-hmm. hmm. And I just put you a little bit on the spot, I had mentioned this before, but anything? 
I think that there's a lot of room to be made on food and making, mm-hmm. um, like technology and food. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I did not appreciate the fact that like the only option for food available there, and it's more of an issue about like fairs as a whole here in DC because it's just become like a trend to mm-hmm. have uh, the food trucks. Granted, food trucks are great and everything, but they're also not great for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you, they, if you're gonna offer food at one of these events, because you have kids, mm-hmm. right? And while you know you're a parent, you take snacks with you and stuff like that. If you want to have food, um, you should also put that up there. You know, hey, technology and food. There's a lot to be done there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that uh, would be mine. I think it's a fair. It's a fair criticism. I think for me. In light of what we, wh- you know, what just happened last week in Orlando, and I think security was a little too lax. Um, I understand it's only the second year, so they're sort of trying to get as many people in. But you sort of anybody could come into this thing, and you know, we're in D.C. We got to be think somewhat conscious of security in these areas or whatever. I think that's something that, as it grows, I think they'll do a better job of. You know, when we were in New York, there was a very clear entry point. There was a, there were fences all the way around it. There were checkpoints basically to get in. Lots so of staff. Exactly. So I think that's a little lacking here. But again, it's only the second year. It's the first year it's been this big. Understandable. So. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so overall, best maker fair? Top. Yeah, I think it's up there. Top. I mean, I think New York beats it up because it's just so big. New York goes, New York maker fair just goes on forever. It's like mm-hmm. impossible to, <laughs> you spend one day there and you're just dead tired. I think this is a smaller mm-hmm. event and easier to go through the whole day and but I think, yeah, I think it's up there. It was a very, yeah. it was fun. I like the fact that I, w- I got to salt. I can't solder. Solder. <laughs> yeah. For the first time ever. Yeah, and Radio Shack. Yeah, Radio Shack. <laughs> had a solder. We, that also is on the Facebook yeah. page right now if you guys <laughs> And Safety First, that was there, you know, and there was somebody, like, one of the Radio Shack staff mm-hmm. people there, like, young guy, Zach, he was really cool. He showed me, like, all the, he fix my, my issues, my, <laughs> my user errors. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. I think that was, uh, that made it really great. The fact that I came out with something that I made. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and a new skill, a new thing you've done. Right? Yeah. Something that I'm going to take yeah. on. Yeah. So that was very cool. I, I think overall a very good Maker Fair and I, I think we should, uh, everybody check it out next year. And if there's a Maker Fair near you, try and go to it. Um, the website is Maker Fair. Makerfair.com. Yeah. And uh, let me just give you some numbers. 2.3 million people have attended Maker Fairs since its inaugural Maker Fair in 2006 in California. And right now, in 2000, as of 2015, more than 150 Maker Fairs took place around the world. So you're missing out. Yeah, definitely go. Everybody that goes, you know, people that aren't even into making, they all enjoy it that have gone with us. So absolutely go out there and go to a Maker Fair. So that's uh, that's it for our review of National Maker Fair 2016. We're gonna go ahead and move on to our next topic, which is the product of the week. All right. So this week our product of the week is a Kickstarter. It's called the 101 Hero, the world's most affordable 3D. 
So this is a 3D printer that's starting at $49. Um, what are your initial impressions of this, Claudia? Man, we should have waited for our <laughs> for our printer. That was well, my first impression. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ours... They keep going down in price. <laughs> they do keep going down in price. Um, you know, and, and they've been funded, as I see, right? They, they've gotten all their funding. They've got enough money mm-hmm. to be funded. More than um, enough. It's a smaller printer than what we're going to have. I mean, I think it's a good starter printer for anybody that wants to get started. I'm trying to see the, the size of the bed here. It's about the size of half of a Mac MacBook computer. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's fairly small. It's comparable it to a MacBook computer. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's a 3D printer. I think it's a good starter 3D printer. It uses all types of filaments, uh, PLA, HITS, and ABS. So, you know, in that sense of, here we go, the width of it is 9 inches, which for a lot of people is small. But, you know, I've seen MakerBot, I think, sell to <laughs> what they call their mini. Oh, I forget, maybe it's not MakerBot, I, don't, I, I hate to say I don't know exactly who makes it. But I've seen the mini, mm-hmm. which is a small cube that can't be more than like 4 inches by 4 inches. So this is bigger than that already. It's mostly made out of wood. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, I, we're not going to buy into this one because we already have a 3D printer coming. But I think I would recommend this for anybody that wants to try it and get into it. Yeah. Yeah, $49 is worth a shot, I, I think. Although I think they're mostly out of their <laughs> $49 ones. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's definitely worth trying. You can print some smaller stuff. And, uh, um, and yeah, the it's one... Hmm? It's what, what we've been saying, I think, whenever, when we've ever we've covered the 3D printer, is that as the technology advances, it gets closer and closer to being, you know, like uh, the Epson laser printers or the inkjet printers, you know. They're affordable. You can have them at your house. It's going to become like a, an appliance. Yeah, but I think, like, one of the things that this particular one said um, is 101 Hero grows with you. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it grows with you, it tells you that at the price point, 49 it's a starter set. Right. right. So the minute that you, like, already have grown, you can grow out of, like, grow out of it, and you want to go get get the a right. better version. Yeah. Um so I think that's really good for kids, that's good for um older people, that's good for uh s- people who are starting with th- 3D printing and the fact that it's 50 bucks, that's a good, you know, like hey, like if I'm going to just start trying to look at 3D printing technology, this is like a good thing to use. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the 101 name from it, you mm-hmm. know, just it's a basic 101. Yeah. Oh, and ethical. I think anybody that's looking to get into 3D printing should start with something like this because if you think you're going to go spend $500 on a printer and you're going to start getting perfect prints out of it you're just mistaken right there's going to be a lot of filament wasted there's going to be a learning curve to it and I think you might as well start with something like this so yeah I also like the fact that it uses G code mm-hmm. and um, for people who don't know and I just I learned this from Ray um, you know most manufacturing companies which is great for workforce development I think Understanding what G-code is, how it works, what the process of G-coding is, can gives you so much. Um, it builds so much capacity for workforce, for a workforce that um, then it you, you makes you employable for manufacturing. Right, and, even and teaching that at at a younger age mm-hmm. or for youth that they can use that to get a manufacturing job that 
pretty cool doing really cool work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I will say this, even if you don't ever end up actually inputting G code yourself, the understanding of it or how it works helps you pick up any other software that uses the G code sort of in the background, right, where you don't see it. It makes it easier for you to then, okay, I understand what this software is doing, I understand how it can work, I can pick up this software easier. So, yeah. Yeah, I was explaining this to my mom, actually, my 75-year-old mother. I was telling her, like, you know, out of five, yo, I always think of things like this. Out of five people that are using something, you always think that at least one or two are going to pick it up and ask, well, how does this work and why? Oh, let me learn G-code. And if two people learn G code because of this, you know, forty nine dollar machine, mm-hmm. that is a plus for me for yeah. and for anybody. That's a plus for the entire nation. Mm-hmm. For Absolutely. yeah, so so yeah, so a cool. cool product. I think uh, worth people's time if you're looking for an entry level three D printer. So cool. Cool. Alright, let's move on to the next segment, which is what are we working on? What are we seeing? What are we reading? Aside from going to Maker Faire, I've been working on a couple of wood projects here at the house. Um, 
sort of making a couple of things. Uh, I don't know why I decided to make a, a, a ledge, even though we could buy one for $9, probably at Ikea. I decided to make my own sort of ledge to put keys and whatnot on it, and I finally finished up. I just got to paint it. I've been working on uh, some steps for our dog, who's always sleeping, um, so that he can easily get to our backyard from inside the house, and so that's still a work in progress. Um, and I'm also working on another project to sort of sell some prints on. So, you know, just working on a few things. I'm also a bit behind on some videos that I want to put out. So I'm going to make the maker part one a priority done. Hopefully have that out tomorrow at some point. Which is, if you listen, th the first time you're going to be able to listen to this is on Tuesday. So depending on when you're listening, it might already be out. So go check it out. It'll probably be on, on my own YouTube channel for City Aperture. Uh, but there'll be links on the Facebook page about it. And it's a made podcast on Facebook. That's the Facebook group or Facebook page. So, yeah, so that's what I'm going to be working on, and that's what I'm been working on. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the show, really. Yeah. We've, so, again, I think the takeaway from here is go to Maker Fair. We, we've always enjoyed them. And uh, Ray will be back next week. Yes. Ray will be back next week. Um, we skipped a week because Ray was in vacation in Florida. Yeah, I guess. R&R in exactly. Florida. Yeah, and he hasn't been back in a few years. I haven't been back to Florida in a few years, so... There's a lot of good stuff coming out of Florida, guys, yeah. so you have to go. Yeah, there's some good stuff coming out of Florida, for sure. <laughs> some good stuff. Um, but yeah, so that's the show. When you tell, Claudia, when you tell people where they can see more about you. Ah, The City Ecologist. Follow me at The City Ecologist. On Twitter. On Twitter. And, um, yeah, on Made Podcast. Yes, Twitter, I have to say that, because now we're mm -hmm. quitting on that, so. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to email us, maybe your own experiences from Maker Fair, you can email us as madepodcast at gmail.com as well uh, and you can find me um, I'm on Twitter as at City Aperture so yeah thanks everybody for listening we need to come up with a sign off like a, like a clever clever thing we'll work on that <laughs> until then <laughs> keep working <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until then uh, I've, I've been Jose Valcardo and Claudia Claudia so thanks